I didn't have a car, but I didn't have any money. So my parents were nice enough to let me drive their car. Well, my dad's car. And my dad wasn't really a car person, but he did have pride in this car. It was like his midlife crisis car. Uh, so it was like, uh, it wasn't like a sports car, but it was a, a luxury car. It had a turbo engine car. So that thing like went. It was so much fun to drive. I loved driving that car. And my, my dad always told me like, you better not get in an accident. You better not get pulled over. You might have experienced something similar. But I was coming home one night and I was uh, leaving a restaurant I was at and I was driving through the parking lot and I was cutting across the, the lanes. If you don't know, that's illegal. Don't do that. Don't follow my example. You'll find out why. So I'm driving through the lanes, thinking I'm fine. I'm almost through. And I see a car off to the, my left. And I think, oh, I have enough time to get through in front of them. And I grossly underestimate how fast that car is going. And as I'm pulling in front of them, I look over to see the driver like this. And I'm like, oh, they don't see me. Oh, this is going to get real messy. They're about to, I'm on a collision course here, and so I try and floor it to get out in front of them, and they just end up clipping my back bumper, and my heart just like, are you kidding? I've just started driving, and now I've wrecked my dad's prized car. Like, oh, this is the worst. It was my first accident, so I get out, we you know, you do the whole insurance thing, and I'm just praying that I won't be found at fault. Because if I'm at fault, I have to pay for everything, right? And it's going to be a couple thousand dollars just for my dad's car, let alone the other person's car. So I'm, I'm praying, like, they hit me, maybe it'll be okay. And I'm on the phone with the insurance person a couple days later, and they say, well, because you were doing something illegal, you're at fault. And my heart just hit the floor. Because I'm thinking, like, I have no money. I have no way to pay this. My dad's going to be super mad at me. I, he trusted me with his car, and I, I wrecked it. I'm like, I'm terrified of what's going to happen. I'm terrified of the punishment that's coming down. Have you ever had that moment where you, like, you screw up, you do something wrong, and you just know, like, oh, this ain't going to be pretty. This is going to be bad. Have you, have you experienced that? Or, or, like, when you break the law, hopefully you haven't, but when somebody breaks the law, they, they're terrified of the, the punishment that's coming down. They're terrified of this justice coming for them. And we have this idea of justice, right, of, of when, wrong is, when something is wrong, there's punishment for it. There's payment. There's payback for it. That when I'm wronged, I want the other person to experience wrong. Well, that's a kind of an earthly understanding of justice. See, we've been in the series on the flip side of, of how God is taking things and flipping them upside down. And he does that with justice. See, his justice is much more concerned about healing and kindness and compassion. In fact, we're told in Zechariah, an Old Testament book, that his justice is associated with mercy and compassion. He wants to restore relationships with his justice. Let, let, let's look at how that happens. So open your Bibles with me to Romans 5, page 942. It'll also be on the screen. 
But even before we jump into that, I want to back up and give us a little bit of context of, of where we're at in Romans and what's going on. So Romans, written by a guy named Paul to a church in Rome, hence why it is called Romans. And this whole book is Paul kind of laying out what the gospel is, what the good news of Jesus is, what it is that we believe, and why do we believe it. And he opens it by telling us we are all wrong. Something is wrong with each of us. We have done, we have screwed up in our lives. There's something wrong with this world. The Bible identifies that as sin. We have all sinned. And later in Romans, he he tells us the wages of sin, the punishment for sin is death. So that we are all sinners, all of us fall short of God, and we all deserve death which is this idea of separation from God. Think way back to Genesis, the first book of the Bible, Genesis 1, 2, and 3, of how God created the world, and he created us to be in relationship with him. But then we screwed up, and we rebelled, and and we decided we were better than God, and we sinned, and we were separated from him. That's kind of part One of the gospel, hold on to that. We have sinned. Something is wrong with us. We deserve death. And we can't fix ourselves. Part two enters in Romans 5. So let's jump in. Romans 5, uh, verse 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified, and justified is this idea that we are made right, that we are declared right in God's eyes, kind of not guilty, by his blood, how much more now been, uh, sorry, Uh, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God, which is this idea, it's not necessarily an emotion that's being communicated, but more of the punishment of God. So saved uh, from the punishment of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, We also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. The good news of Jesus is this. We've messed, all messed up and damaged our relationship with God, but Jesus came to make our wrongs right. That doesn't mean Jesus showed up in anger to, and excited to punish, all for, punish us all for what we did. But God doesn't operate like that. Instead, he shows up out of love. Right? That's John 3.16. This is kind of my paraphrase of it. But God so loved the world that he gave his son that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. He showed up out of love to save us. It goes on to say in in 317, the next verse, that he didn't show up to condemn us, to punish us, but he showed up to save us. Jesus came to restore our broken relationship with God through his forgiveness, mercy, and compassion. 
When God was wronged by us, God didn't simply try to punish us. Instead, he chose to do something more difficult. Find a way to restore our relationship. That's God's definition of justice. Now, that doesn't mean that our punishment is forgotten about. Our actions have consequences, both in the here and now, but also for eternity. Our sin deserved death. And God doesn't just let that go away or forget about it. In fact, if we, uh, in 1 John 1, 9, it, it says if we confess our sins, if we say, God, I'm sorry for what I've done, he's faithful and just to forgive us. He's just. If he's just, that means he remembers our punishment, right? And he has carried that out because how could he be just without that part of it? And that's where this uh, whole thing comes with Chapter 5, verse 8, we read it. I'm going I'm to read it for us again. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He took the punishment that we were due and put it on himself. It's this idea that we owed a debt and he paid it on the cross. He executed this justice, this, this judgment on himself so that we could have this restored relationship with him. His justice is looking at how to restore this relationship. When we got things wrong, God intervened to help set things right. He didn't abandon us. He chose to die for us, to forgive us, and to restore our relationship. Have you experienced that relationship? Have you said yes to Jesus of, I want to walk in relationship with you? You've restored this. I want that in my life. Have you said yes to that? If you have, we're challenged to now go and do likewise, to go and show that same justice to other people. We're going to keep reading in Romans. Turn with me just a couple pages to Romans 12. It's 948. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 12, verse 19. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, for by, do, by so doing, you will keep burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. God invites us to show the same kind of justice to each other, not to simply punish each other for when we are hurt, but to find a way to restore our relationships through mercy and compassion. We are liberated from taking justice into our own hands, and we are free to do what is good to be kind to others, to forgive. Because we know God will right all wrongs in the end. I was terrified to tell my dad. Like, just terrified. I didn't know what kind of punishment would come, but I knew it was going to be bad, and I knew, uh, like, oh, I was, it was, it made me sick in my gut. You know that feeling? And I did everything I could to avoid him. I tried uh, 
you know, doing the thing where I do homework all day and like, oh, I really got to do homework. So I'm going to go or was at school all day, really got to do homework, lock myself in my bedroom, don't talk to anybody. I tried to avoid him as much as I could. Finally, he kind of corners me and says, hey, did you ever hear back from the insurance people? What did they say? And I, knowing that I had no other choice but to tell him, said, you know, the, I'm at fault. It's my fault. I, we're on, I ha, I'm on the hook to pay for everything. I'm really sorry. I, I'll, I don't know what to do. I, I don't have any money. I, I, I don't know what to do. And his reaction blew me away. And it wasn't because he's generally an angry person, but it was just who would have this reaction. I wasn't expecting it. He said to me, you know, that's okay. It's okay. I'll pay for it. We'll figure it out. You're forgiven. I'm glad you're okay. And that's all he said. And I was, like, I was, my mind was just blown. Like, what? And I, like, I, I really tried not to question it because who wants to question that? But at the same time, I was like, why? Why would you do that? I don't under, like, don't, this doesn't make sense to me. And he said to me, it's because this is what Jesus did for me, and so I do it to you. And it was in that moment that it was this really tangible expression of what Jesus has done. I had a debt that I owed. There was money that had to be paid, and my dad paid it for me. Just like there was a debt to be paid, death, that Jesus died for me. God's definition of justice makes love and restoration the goal, not punishment or revenge. Through Jesus, we can see how our relationship with God is restored. And through Jesus, we can also learn how to work toward restoration in our relationships with others, too. Now that we've experienced this forgiveness, we can go and express it to others as well. God's justice isn't content to let broken things stay broken or wrong things stay wrong. So this week, what would it look like for you to flip your idea of justice so it looks more like God's? How can you work towards restoring something that has been broken or gone wrong? How in your relationship with God do you need to take steps Jesus has come to restore your relationship with him. He has taken steps towards you. Have you taken steps towards him? Have you said yes? Have you entered into a relationship? If not, tonight's the perfect night. Talk to me. Talk to your leader. We'd love to have that conversation with you. Or maybe you've entered into that relationship, but you've kind of put Jesus on a shelf and said, oh, I'll do my own thing. Do you need to take him off the shelf and see how you can start walking with him again, start pursuing that relationship? Maybe you're walking with him, but it's somewhat inconsistent. Maybe you pray sometimes, maybe you read your Bible sometimes, but what does it look like for you to pursue him? What does it look like for you to take another step in your relationship with Jesus this week as he's taken a step towards you. Or maybe it's in, you need to uh, express this in a relationship with other people. 
Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe there's a, a relationship where you've been hurt. And what would it look like for you to restore and to heal that friendship, that uh, relationship with a family member? What would that look like? What happened? How do you feel? What made, what, what, um, how did that make you feel? What steps would the other person need to take to make it right? How could you forgive them for what they did? How can we practice the same forgiveness that God gave us? And, and I want to make a note here. If you're in an abusive relationship or friendship or uh, relationship with a family member, I'm not telling you to stay there. I'm not trying to tell you that forgiveness means you become somebody's punching bag. I'm telling you that forgiveness looks like letting go of bitterness and anger towards that person. But we still need to set boundaries. To love someone well is to set boundaries with that person. To, ha to restore and heal that relationship, it doesn't mean that you're going to stay in that bad spot. I want you to be removed from that. So please talk to me or talk to a leader if, if that's you. But how can we take steps to forgiving other people when they've hurt us? And on the other side of that conversation, how have you hurt others? What ways have you been the person that has caused harm? What did you do? How do you think that affected the other person? What steps could you take to make that right? How can you make sure that never happens again? With God, justice is about something so much more beautiful than just punishment. It's about healing. That's how God flips our definition of justice. How can you, this week, tonight, tomorrow, how can you experience healing and restoration? How can God help you? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for coming and dying on the cross, taking our punishment on yourself. Thank you for uh, restoring this relationship Thank you for pursuing us even when we were still sinners. Lord, it's hard to think about this idea of forgiving others that have, have wronged us. It's hard to think about forgiving those that have hurt me. Would you give me, would you give us the courage, the strength to forgive others? That out of our understanding of how you have forgiven us, we can then go and forgive others. Would you walk with us in that process as hard as it is? God, we love you. In your name, amen. Go to small groups.